Well, kia ora, hello and welcome to the Coast Vineyard Podcast. Whether you're a regular or a first-time listener, it's so good to have you listening in. We hope and pray that wherever you may find yourself at today, that the message that you're about to hear would be helpful for your journey of faith. So without further ado, let's get into this week's message. Hey, um, like Matt said, my name's Stanley, and, uh, and it's a real privilege just to, to share for a few minutes around, around God's Word. I found it really interesting um, last week, Lyndon, how many loved having Lyndon here from Maharangi uh, Baptist, uh, Baptist Vineyard, uh, I'm in the Baptist zone here, obviously, um, and, uh, and actually next week, uh, keeping with the local vineyard pastor's theme, uh, Vic Francis uh, is going to be uh, here speaking with us, which will be awesome. But I was really intrigued by what Lyndon um, shared about last week on Mother's Day. Um, he talked about Tabitha out of Acts 9, uh, the story of Tabitha uh, and Peter, um, you know, her being resurrected, you know, it was a pretty significant miracle that was going on there. The reason why it was interesting to me was because I had been thinking about today and thinking about, you know, what to be sharing and so forth. And I'd really been thinking about the book of Acts, to be honest. And just in that, if you are unfamiliar with the Bible, the book of Acts is a book in the Bible that's all about the early church. So it's kind of carrying on directly after the time of Jesus, and like, how did the disciples go forward from there? And it's kind of like, in some regard, this sort of season that we are in, both as a local church, you know, Coast Vineyard, but also Big C Church, Global Church, there's a lot of sort of resettling, resetting, you know, and just a great chance for us to take that step back and just to really consider what is truly important to us uh, as a body of Christ, you know. Um, and just as, uh, as I was thinking about that, and I just thinking about that intersection with the book of Acts, it just felt quite sort of, you know, appropriate. And, um, and I was quite taken by a particular story that I'd love to, uh, you know, just talk about this morning, ah, this afternoon. We were talking about having a swear jar uh, of, of this morning's. And we didn't set the, the dollar value. So depending on how many times I say it, we'll set the, you know, the, the dollar value so that I can afford it. No, no, no. Um, but yeah, a particular story within the book of Acts that I'd love to um, just talk about a little bit because I think that it would be really helpful for us in this season that we're in right now. But let's pray. Father, we, uh, we thank you for your word. Man, we just thank you that there is so much life and health and goodness within it. And so just as we spend a few moments just talking around a particular um, story that's told within this precious book that we have, I pray that you would bring it alive to us again afresh, that you'd speak into our hearts. I pray that you would go beyond the, the general idea to the specific of here and now and personally, what does that mean for me? I pray that for each and every one of us, just as we sit and reflect, we invite your Spirit's presence in just to simply guide us in that next step forward, whatever that next step may be. So we say, come, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. All right. All right, if I dive sort of straight in, I want to talk from Acts 4. Okay, so a story in Acts 4. Some of you may be familiar with it, and, and, and some won't be, but let's just listen with fresh eyes, eh? All right. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came to Peter, up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. 
They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. Okay, so Sadducees, all right? Sadducees are this particular Jewish sect uh, of people of the time, and they think this is a big deal because... They set the tone, they are in charge, they are, control the hierarchy of the temple. And their particular sect says there is no possibility of any sort of resurrection. Thank you very much. So them hearing Peter and John proclaiming resurrection in this man called Jesus Christ is a problem to them if people start listening to them. All right? Verse 3, they seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. Jerusalem at the time, estimates, you know, anywhere between sort of 25 and 85,000 people population, all right? The time of festivals, it will swell somewhat. And keep in mind that this is on the back end of the festival Pentecost. So there's probably extra people in town. But 5,000 people believing this message is a big deal. And therefore, a big problem to the Sadducees because it'll undermine their power. It'll undermine their hierarchy. They have the potential of losing control and all going sort of south and haywire for them. Verse 5. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them, by what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, kindness, you know, the story of Tabitha last week, um, Lyndon speaking about, she was known for her kindness. These guys, Peter and John, on their way to the temple, there is this crippled beggar and they heal him, an act of kindness. Verse 10, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. <laughs> this kind of feel the sort of the courage and the boldness um, coming into uh, the way that Peter's talking, eh? This word healed that he, used, he uses there is apparently is this Greek word sozo. Some of you, you know, may have heard of that word sozo, but sozo, yes, means like a, a, a physical healing, but it's actually much bigger than that. It's more like salvation. So, so, so this man, this crippled beggar, stands before you sozoed. I don't know if that's quite the way to say it, but, you know, healed in a 
complete sense, receiving salvation. Um, that word sozo is used lots and lots of times within the New Testament. Luke 19.10, for example, for the Son of Man came to seek and save, sozo, the lost. Uh, John 3.17, for God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save, to sozo uh, the world through him. All right? Man's been sozoed. Everyone say sozo? It's a great word, eh? Sozo. I dare you, I challenge you to see how many times you can include that in a conversation, you know, this week. So-so. Anyway, uh, off track, Stanley. Uh, okay, verse 11. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Again, a phrase that's used a bit, particularly through the Old Testament. Jesus teaches on it as well. This, this picture, this imagery of cornerstone. Uh, so, you know, as they're building a house, literally the corner piece within the, you know, within the foundation level that would set in motion the rest of the house, this cornerstone. Where it's talked about in other parts of the Bible, though, it's talked about like Psalm 118 says, the stone the builders rejected. Whereas here, Peter, again, just sensing that, that boldness, the stone you builders rejected. Here, remember, he's talking to the, the you know, people of the law, you builders, you're the ones who did this to Jesus. Turning the knife a little bit, you know, that little jab. We like Peter, don't we? <laughs> no longer this theoretical idea, but it's what you have contributed to. Okay, verse 12. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. That's pretty clear, eh? When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing before them, there was nothing that they could say. Next few verses, the rulers kind of have a bit of a powwow. They try and work out what they're going to do with Peter and John. Everyone thinks this is a great thing that's just happened to this man, so how are we going to punish these guys? And all that they really come up with is demanding, telling Peter and John, you can't talk about this guy Jesus anymore. Verse 19, But Peter and John replied, Which is right in God's eyes? To listen to you or to him, you be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Just such a great story, eh, of God's kindness and courage, this boldness that's come upon sort of Peter as he's been speaking on he and John's behalf. And we could kind of go in all sorts of different directions here, right? <laughs> but I just want to sort of highlight just a few of the key sort of aspects of the story that as I read it just a little while ago, they just sort of, you know, they jumped out at me again because I think that they can be really helpful for us 
here today, you know, in the season that we find ourselves in. All right? With me so far? Making sense? Haven't lost you? Okay, no one asleep just yet? Good. Okay, first, first sort of aspect within the story, which I think is really helpful for us, is the cultural climate that they find themselves in. All right? So one of the things that I think is, is helpful for us to realize in, in this cultural climate piece is because they are in this really adversarial sort of cultural climate, right? Like we've been talking about, there are people in power that are super motivated to make sure that this message that Peter and John is proclaiming doesn't get out and, and doesn't go any further, and so they are actively opposing the message that they are carrying. Now, you know, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Here in New Zealand, we are not being uh, put before judge and jury. We are not being thrown into prison, as in some parts of the world that is a reality. But we're, that's not our reality for, for proclaiming our faith, Right? But depending on where you look, and you don't have to look very far, and even the, some of the kind of recent media articles and, and so forth that's been circling around, I don't know about you, but it just feels just that bit more adversarial to me, you know, just, just towards uh, Christianity, towards the church, just this little bit more of sort of pushback against this faith that we carry. And I think that it's important for us to realize that in the, in, it, with Peter and John, this adversarial culture that they found themselves in didn't mean that there wasn't incredible opportunity to speak into the lives of people, to have people come to faith, to, you know, we just, we just read a second ago about 5,000 men plus women and children who are saying, you know what, that that message that you're carrying, I, I want in. And so I think it's just important for us, and I, if you're anything like me, it's easy to sort of get the blinkers on or sort of go into huddle mode, you know, just, oh, it's a bit scary out there. Uh, let's just, you know, let's just kind of keep that, that faith aspect sort of a bit, a bit closed in. Just be a bit quiet on it, you know? around colleagues, around family, you know, wherever it may be. And yes, of course, we need to do it with wisdom. But if that is our mindset to just draw in like that, we miss the opportunity that's right before us. Just like every other time in history, we are hungry for belonging. We as people are hungry to be loved. We as people are hungry to find something that is bigger than ourselves, that we, that, we, that we find meaning and purpose in. And this message of Jesus Christ has those things in spades. That we are deeply and intimately and unconditionally loved. That we can come, like we just did with communion as, you know, a few minutes ago, come as you are. That if you're looking for meaning and purpose within your life, then, then the story of Jesus is for you. 
for me, you know? So just because we might find ourselves within a particular cultural climate, we've got to see the f- through that and realize that there are still hungry hearts all around us. The second aspect of the story, which I really like, <laughs> is that they are regarded as ordinary people. <laughs> Verse 13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. Thank the Lord for ordinary people within the Bible, right? Any other ordinary people in the room or on, with us online? <laughs> you know, honestly, around here, you will find a lot of ordinary people. <laughs> no offense, you know, but you might find some talents or whatever, but you will find some very ordinary people. People, we, we know our frailties, we know our weaknesses, we know our insecurities. We're just, we're ordinary people, right? And I'm so encouraged when I see stories of ordinary people within the Bible where you can see that God took these ordinary people and he did something beautiful with them. And hopefully for you and for me, it's not too much of a step to then just be having that thought sparked in our own hearts and minds. What is it that God could do with this ordinary person? It's, it's kind of like, you know, in typical sort of gospel upside down sort of fashion, you know, there is something about recognizing our frailties and our weaknesses, which is actually a real strength. Hey, you know, uh, verses like 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9, my grace is sufficient in you for my power is made perfect in weakness. What might God be wanting to do through your ordinary life? Your ordinary coming and going, your ordinary relationships, your ordinary job, your ordinary failures. Unschooled, ordinary men. I hope, like me, you find that so encouraging. Ordinary people. You see revealed within this story, you know, a couple of particular aspects that really set these these ordinary people up, these ordinary men up, for a bit of a win. All right? Verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. Yes, ordinary men, ordinary people, but filled with the Holy Spirit. This active, ongoing, being filled 
that each of us, if we're here as a Christian, and look, I don't assume that everybody in the room is in fact a Christian, made that decision, or watching with us online. But if you are a Christian here this afternoon, this, this need that we have of being ongoingly filled with the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit in this particular story with Peter and John gave them courage to respond to the probing questions that were being asked. It gave them wisdom to know how to respond to those questions. It likely gave them a sense of security that they, they didn't really feel in the natural. It's, it's obvious from the way that the story is told that they are way outside their comfort zone. But yet with the Holy Spirit's help. You know, they didn't, they didn't, uh, they didn't have the text in black and white. <laughs> they didn't know how the story was going to unfold like we do. And there have been so many times in my life where I have just, just needed the help of the Holy Spirit, you know? And just either through just, you know, sort of asking or having someone else pray or just having the, the infilling of the Holy Sometimes in those moments, you know, like I've, I've felt a tangible difference, you know, I've, I've felt like that, um, the best way to describe it is like uh, on a bike. <laughs> this morning... Sunday morning, you know, we we afternoon church, yeah. We could, uh, I turned from uh, Kahikatea Flat Road into Pine Valley Road because there was this howling westerly uh, where I could just jump in and get a, a Holy Spirit push <laughs> from behind. Sometimes that infilling of the Holy Spirit is just is sort of like that, you know. But other times, I've gone about that thing that's before me and felt very ordinary in doing it and felt no difference whatsoever except that when I've looked back on reflection I can see the help that the Holy Spirit has has given me you know in all sorts of different ways Uh, you know doing this quite often draws on the help prayers Um, but difficult conversations with people helping my kids navigate through you know difficult times within their lives or conversations with them Praying for someone, seeing God come through and healing for someone else. Um, Matt, uh, back in March, during our home gathering mode, he, he, he talked about you know, this whole thing of, of being filled with the Holy Spirit, how important it is for each and every one of us as Christians to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And like I say, either simply through that prayer yourself or asking someone else to pray for you. Asking someone else to, man, I just, I recognize that need to just have that extra bit of help in this season. Would you help me? Would you pray for the infilling of the Holy Spirit to be in my life? Maybe for you today, a little bit later on, we could, we could pray for that specifically uh, for you. These ordinary guys in this adversarial culture that they found themselves in were filled with the Holy Spirit and the other advantage that they had was that they had been with Jesus verse 13 again when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled ordinary men they were astonished and they took note 
that these men had been with Jesus. That's such a good challenge, eh? (laughs) Would that be the reflection of the people that you encounter, that I encounter, especially in those pressure moments? Using this, you know, language from this story that would they take note that you were one of those people that had been with Jesus? Man, I'm so I'm so aware of uh, the you know those times where I haven't got that right, <laughs> you know. But I have a genuine hope that as I spend time with Jesus, He would form me, He would change me. I had this um, wonderful, fantastic conversation with a friend. Uh, earlier in the week and uh, he's not a Christian guy and uh, he basically opened the conversation with you know when people talk about inviting Jesus into their heart (laughs) what do they what do they mean by that (laughs) I was like Wow, what 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 a great way to start a conversation, you know, and what a great question. And so we just sort of we next kind of half hour hour or so we just had this awesome conversation, just you know, just talking about the realities of Jesus and being a Christian and what that all sort of meant and what it didn't mean and and just this open, genuine, just inquisitive heart to 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 want to know. And within that conversation, I found myself, in terms of kind of helping to answer that question, is a significant part of it is that as Christians, we would hope that as we give our heart to Jesus, that as we invite him into our world and our life, that our lives would be modeled on him. That, 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 that he would start to form and shape us and, and, and change us along the way. That as we spend time with Jesus, and whether it be in prayer or reading scripture, just as we get to know the character of this man called Jesus Christ, what's important to him, what makes him tick, what makes him mad, what, what does he love, what's he, what's he for, that there will be something about that time in his presence that would form us and shape us. Like I say, I'm very aware of those times where I don't get it right. (laughs) And there's plenty of those. But at the end of the day, there is a, a genuine desire for this ordinary guy to be formed like Jesus. Is there for you? In adversarial culture, these ordinary people filled with the Holy Spirit who had spent time with Jesus. I wonder what 
kind of part of that story sort of resonates in particular with you or just knocks on your heart a little bit. And I also wonder what would be possible with a community of people that lived in that way. For the community around us, the people that we bump into, the the ordinariness of our lives, just being led forward in the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. We'd love to just sort of create a bit of space again like we've been doing in the last few weeks to uh, just just allow God to speak to us, sort of not just sort of race straight on, you know, and just exit on out to our dinners or whatever we've got next. But I'd love just to, just to have a moment where you just invite the Holy Spirit in and just allow him to, to speak to you about what it is that he's nudging you forward in. Uh, so, so Simon and Josh, why don't you come and uh, join me? That would be awesome. Thank you. Um, yeah. So if you're comfortable, why don't you, why don't you just, just close your eyes or just find a way of not kind of being distracted by the people around you or what's happening up here on stage or whatever. And let's just invite God in. Father, we, we again, we just so thank you for your word. We thank you for the life that's in it. And in this particular story that we're sort of focusing in on in this sort of moment, Lord, I just pray that you'd come and you'd nudge us forward. Come, Holy Spirit. Speak to us, we pray. Thanks so much for joining us for today's message. We hope and pray that it's been most helpful. If you are keen to find out a little bit more about us as a church whanau or you'd like to touch base, then you can go to coast.org.nz and there you'll find information about our in-person services, online services, various resources and activities. Enjoy the day and be blessed.